Welcome to Critical Issues Commentary, the podcast ministry of Gospel of Grace Fellowship, a non-denominational Christian church in St. Louis Park, Minnesota. This is Jessica Kramis, your host for today, and I'm speaking with Bob DeWay, Gospel of Grace's teacher and theologian and author of Critical Issues Commentary. Now, in this series, we've been talking about CIC issue number 67, John the Baptist and Prophets to Nations. And we've made the claim that between John the Baptist and the two witnesses in Revelation, there are no prophets to nations. Last week, we discussed 1 Corinthians 14, and we made the claim that prophecy in the church age is preaching the gospel and bringing forth valid implications and applications of scripture. Prophecy in the church age is not new revelations from God. Yet there are hundreds, if not thousands, of people out there today claiming to be prophets, and yet when their prophecies don't come to pass, they just go right on as if nothing ever happened. So why is it then that somebody who claims to be a prophet be 100% accurate? Why is their accuracy so critical? Well, as we've said in previous episodes, in Deuteronomy 18, that was an absolute requirement. Once they were wrong, they were a false prophet and, and were literally commanded not to listen to them. Okay. And as we've been saying, some of these claim to be prophets to nations and they're prophesying about political matters, who's going to be elected or whatever, uh, or that God's going to judge America or maybe some other nation. I'm sure we're not the only one to have these guys. And, uh, or guys and ladies, actually. Um, but if they are wrong, sometimes they haven't really added. We've already talked about this, but it, was, it bears reiteration. If they're wrong, sometimes. Okay, let's say, well, sometimes I'm right, sometimes I'm wrong, but yea, thus saith the Lord. Well, there's, there's several problems. One is, you're actually blaspheming God because you're putting lies in the mouth of God. Right. So God cannot lie. So if you announce something in God's name and it's false, you are putting false words in the mouth of God who cannot lie. Wow, yes. So that's a problem. More than a problem. It's very, very serious. It's blasphemous. Mm -hmm. Secondly, um, if you say something is going to happen, but it doesn't in the past, and now you're saying something's going to happen. Well, then what do people know if they heard you? Well, they heard you say this in the past, it didn't happen. So what they know now is it may not happen, or maybe it will. I don't know. But before you made the prophecy, whatever it is you were addressing, your hearers already knew that something, whatever it is, may or may not happen. So you've added zero to their knowledge of the future. Right. So if you're going to prophesy about the future and you've added no worthwhile knowledge to the, our, what we know about the future, you're wasting your time. You're blaspheming God. You're confusing the saints. You're harming the church. And you must stop. I call on everyone who's done that to stop now. Repent and stop harming God's precious flock. And I can say that with the authority of God. And no, I'm not wrong about it. 
Right. Because God's word condemns false prophets from Genesis to Revelation. God may use a false prophet, like the false prophets uh, that came and spoke to Ahab what he wanted to hear. Okay. But he was doing that through a lying spirit. It doesn't make lying and being a false prophet valid or justified. Okay? Right. God used the people who crucified Christ, as it says in Acts 2, 23, 22 and 23, but they're not thereby justified. They're condemned. Right. Okay, they're still so responsible for their own no actions. There is no way to justify giving false prophecy. And there's no way to claim that doing so is helping the church. Okay. All right. Now, I have been hearing these prophecies since the 1970s. Okay. And this article that we're covering, uh, CIC Issue 67, I wrote down a bunch of them that I remembered at 20 years ago or whatever it was when I wrote this article at that time. And now okay. Jessica has been monitoring the social media. We didn't have that back in the 90s or early 2000s. We didn't have social media as it is today. And so now she's hearing the current ones. And so do you want to tell us some of the things you've been hearing, Jessica? Sure. It's, um, you know, the um, targeting in, in, in social media and on things like YouTube, you know, if you like this, you'll also really like this or that your feed just gets oh, populated. Yeah. So I've got all manner of false prophecy in my, in my social media and YouTube feeds right now. And it's, and it's interesting, I think, because a lot of the things that they're saying now are the same things that they were saying in the 70s. So we have people saying things like, this would be Dana Coverstone. There's going to be an earthquake that is going to shake the Great Lakes and the Rocky Mountains and the West Coast. Now there's a prophecy, an earthquake is going to happen on the West Coast. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. We, right. Um, we'll come back to him later. I want to discuss him a little bit more. There's another one saying that the West Coast is going to get hit by a tidal wave. We have Pat Robertson, everybody's favorite false prophet. Yeah, and he keeps prophesying the end of the world, and so far it hasn't happened. But he's not. So he's, So his most recent one... This was on October 20th, 2020, on the 700 Club YouTube channel. He prophesied that Trump would win. Didn't happen. Although that's also another good topic because there are some questions surrounding that. But he prophesied Trump would win. That would be followed by serious civil unrest. Then there would be a Turkish-Iranian alliance to come against Israel and fulfill Ezekiel 38, which will be followed by a period of peace, but then the earth is going to get hit by an asteroid, and that, he believes, will probably be the end within five years. Okay. So wow. there's a lot there, but that's just a kind of a, a good example of what's out there. Well, there's many more. Yeah, and they're, they're, they're just endless. And a lot of them are things 
that you really don't even have to have a profit to know. You, you know, oh, yeah. food shortages uh, or... Well, if you prophesy, hey, thus says the Lord, gold will go either up or down. Right. All right. Well, or I, even things, okay, the, the, the people who are prophesying that were, that were saying Trump's going to win and then it's going to be followed by riots and civil unrest. Well, you don't need to know, a, you don't, don't need to be a prophet to know that that's a likely outcome of a Trump. If you did win, that would probably happen. Right. That you don't well, need revelation from God. Is, yeah. So far, he hasn't won and doesn't look like he's going to. No, but there's, they still are claiming to this, as of this morning, most of them are saying, wait till January 6th. Trump is going to win. So well, we'll wait. Okay, so that may or may not happen. Right. But we already know that may or may not happen. Right. I would even say, Jessica and I were talking a little bit before we started recording. Um, the, the other question could be, well, if somebody prophesies something, maybe it adds to the probability that it would happen. Yeah. Or it's more probable, to hap probable that it'll happen if somebody prophesies that it will. Well, probability isn't what the point of prophecy was. If you look at the Old Testament, they had to be right. Yes. Okay, it's not about probabilities. People place bets based on probabilities and give odds and so on. So that's not the business of the church. Furthermore, if we're just going to be pragmatic about it, and you wanted to go by probabilities, I will say from my 40-some years experience of hearing these prophets, if somebody prophesies something, in my mind, the probability of it happening, happening goes way down. Right. Because they're almost always wrong. Yes. So if you're going to take it seriously at all, you could assume that if they prophesy it, it will not happen. Now, yeah. I can't, I'm not saying I know that. I'm just telling you what I've experienced. They're almost always wrong. Always. And we have some examples that I'm going to cite here in a bit that I wrote down in this article that I had heard. Uh, and 20 years ago, I remember things that since then other things have come on the scene. But I can... Uh, there's a chance for people to learn from my experience. I learned from uh, people who are about my age at that time, my age now, that, that were my teachers when I was in Bible college. Okay. They helped me a lot by sharing things they saw that had happened in their lives of ministry. And they were warning about a lot of these kind of false things. And, and these weren't... Uh, cessationists. I was in a Pentecostal Bible college. Okay. And they were seriously warning against apostles and prophets. And that was in 1972, 73, and 74, when I had these teachers. Okay. And okay. they've since graduated to glory. They'd be well over 100 years old if they were still around. But they didn't want us young men going into the ministry to be waylaid by these sort of things because they were always wrong. And they said there are no modern apostles and prophets like the biblical ones. Now that was right. Pentecostals. Okay. That you boy of Pentecostals changed. They weren't people who said, well, all the gifts ceased. Yeah. And so some of the people in that movement will say, well, the critics are all cessationists. They think 
God quit giving gifts to the spirit and that's why they won't listen to this. Right. Um, and that is not what we are saying. No, that's not what we're saying. We're saying they're misunderstanding the purpose of the gifts of the spirit and certainly done plenty of writing about that, about what they are. And we'll discuss that. We'll discuss first Corinthians 14. I have that on my notes here, something to cover some more. We touch, already touched on it. But um, some people have become cessationists just be, I, I can't, I don't know their motive, but I think it's an easy way to get rid of all this. Right. It's an escape from all the silliness. Right. Just, I'll just say it yeah. all ceased. There was only during the time of the apostles that there was any such thing uh, as prophecy and or prophecy of the church or miracles or whatever. It's all ceased. It's all under the signs of the apostles. Now, there are signs of the apostles that are unique to the apostles. That's how we know that the Bible is the very word of God. But that doesn't mean that God is not still operating by his spirit in the church, doing things that are described, such as in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. Okay. But one thing we cannot believe is somebody claiming to be an authoritative prophet to the nations. We've already disproven that. Right. The last one was John the Baptist. The next ones will be during the tribulation period, which doesn't come until after the rapture. Okay. okay. So right now we have the faith once for all handed down to the saints. That's what's binding. That's what's authoritative. And we're not lacking something. See, since the prophets, and there are thousands and thousands of them, are universally wrong. Yeah. Uh, has anyone ever been right? Well, somebody may have prophesied that the price of gold was going to go up. And it did. They had a 50-50 chance on that. Yeah. <laughs> well, you could say the same thing today. I, as we speak, I think gold is at 1,800 and something an ounce. Wow. So you could predict that it's going to go down, back down to 1,200. It was a while back. Or up over 2,000, which it was a while back. But you haven't added anything to anybody's knowledge. Right. And if these prophets really absolutely did know the future and knew they were right and can predict such thing, every one of them would be utterly wealthy just from investing in gold. Yeah. They would know what nobody else knows. But they may be wealthy, but it's not because they knew what gold was going to do. It's because they got money from the people they deceived. Right. They got thousands of followers sending them money to hear their false prophets. Dear saints, they're getting rich off of your money. Don't send them a penny. Yeah. I had an email just th I, that I just saw before we started recording from Jeremiah Johnson telling me how, how much I would be blessed if I sent him money before the end of the year. He's another false prophet. Okay. But there's a command in, um, I believe in Deuteronomy 18, a command from God that if once the prophet is predicting, has predicted something wrong, do not listen to him. Or once a prophet is given false doctrine about the person of uh, the triune God of the Bible in Deuteronomy 13. 
do not listen to him. Why? You know what it says in Deuteronomy? Because the Lord your God is testing you to see if you love him and are listening to him alone. Wow. Well, here's Jeremiah Johnson's response to that when he was called out for having a false prophecy about Trump. He says, I don't believe that if you miss a prophecy, it makes you a false prophet. So that's his answer. I don't believe That's nothing it. new. Yeah. But the Bible says that it does. Now, let me address this. Because I've debated these guys. I've debated some of them face-to-face over the years. Uh, okay. So I, I'm, not, uh, I'm not unwilling to talk to these people and try to help them get their categories right. But they don't want to. Now, listen. Um, they're saying, let's just back up to some of our previous episodes, what we talked about. They're claiming to prophesy to nations. Right. And so that puts them under the category of the Old Testament prophets. Mm-hmm. All right. And we've already talked about that. The last one of those was John the Baptist. Yes. Now, if they're going to be prophets to nations, then they're claiming to be under the category of Old Testament prophets. And if they're going to be putting themselves under that category, they put, also put themselves under the requirements of those kind of prophets. Yeah. All right? Mm-hmm. And so they're saying, no, I have the status of a Jeremiah or Isaiah or Elijah or whoever, but I'm not under the requirements. I have the status of the Old Testament prophets, but the only requirements are the ones in 1 Corinthians 14 for New Testament prophets, which are not actually speaking about special office of prophet, but about believers in the assembly speaking forth from the scriptures about what they believe it means in the assembly. And yes. So they're, they're categories. They're just jumping categories claiming status, asking for money, and then when called into account, ditching all the requirements. Right. Now, Jeremiah Johnson also mentions in the same YouTube message, 1 Corinthians 14. So keep in mind what we've said. Here's what he says. Let two or three prophets speak and let the others judge. If prophecy in the New Testament was 100% accurate all the time, then why would we need to judge prophecy? Right. That's, that's, their, that's how they ditch the requirements of prophets. But, uh, but they're misunderstanding I mean, prophecy. What's yeah, going they're on? misunderstanding prophecy in that passage. Right. And we've mentioned, I wrote a whole article about this. And it's uh, CICministry.org, and then you look for Issue number um, 95, the prophetic mm-hmm. calling of every believer. Okay. Right. And I actually cite, as I mentioned, uh, Luther and Calvin and others uh, who believed that, er- that this is 1 Corinthians 14 still applies, but that prophecy was essentially gospel preaching, but also included bringing forth valid teaching from what we know is scripture from the apostles. Okay. Okay. And let me just read. I have the text in front of me here. Okay. So I'm going to start reading with 1 Corinthians 14, 29. I'll read through 32. 
let two or three prophets speak and let the others pass judgment. Now, they're just assuming the others there are only prophets. And they're yeah, also yes. assuming the term prophet would mean somebody with the office of prophet. But if you read all of First Corinthians 14, it's talking about the entire congregation and who speaks and whether they do it in a vernacular, the vernacular of the people there rather than in an unknown tongue. And whether the, if it is an unknown language that it be interpreted into the vernacular of the people and that things be done decently and in order and that everyone can gather and proceed in that manner. Now, as I explained before, the term prophet, you see the Greek would indicate a prophesying one, could, could say a prophesying one, or it can use a noun, prophet. But it means someone who gives the prophecy in the congregation. It doesn't, in this context, mean the office of the prophet. Okay. It's not saying only the prophets get to speak. And prophets are people known ahead of time to be prophets. Read all of 1 Corinthians 14, and you'll see you're missing the whole point. Yeah. Talking about the gifts of the Spirit operating in the congregation and how each one can participate. Okay. Okay, so the two or three would be so that you stay decently and in order and everybody's not trying to talk at the same time. Right. Any Bible study has to have that rule. Yes. Okay, if any of you probably been to a Bible study where everybody tries to talk at the same time. All right, so the two or three prophets, we're saying prophesying was, meaning whoever says, I believe that this is what we need to take seriously about what this scripture says. Or this is what the gospel is saying, okay? We need to turn okay. to Christ. Then let the others pass judgment. In other words, if you're saying that you think thus and so is an implication, like I'm doing right now, that's what I'm doing now. I'm bringing mm -hmm. out impl valid, impl I hope valid, implications, applications of 1 Corinthians 14. You saints who are hearing me right now can go back and study that chapter and look up, get, get out a good commentary like Gordon Fee or look it up in the Greek if you have that kind of tool and judge. Yeah. Okay. And see, that's what they're missing because right. all the saints are to be equipped for the work of the ministry. Okay. Okay. The apostles and prophets are the biblical ones and the elders and officers in a church, the teachers, are to equip all the saints. That is what gives us the ability to judge prophecy. Okay, so you can go back and study 1 Corinthians 14 and say, well, I heard this Bob DeWay on YouTube saying it means this. Well, then you can go judge that. Yes. I'm not telling you what the price of gold is going to be. And right. I'm not telling you who's going to be elected in future elections. And I'm not telling you Los Angeles is going to fall into the ocean. That's right. a popular one that has been going around. I'm telling you what scripture means. And it's not true because I said it is a certain way. It's only true if I am bringing out valid implications, applications of scripture, because then it's binding. 
Right. Right. So I have one but, more for you to answer all right. before we run out of time. All right, then we'll I wanted to kind of get together a list of the excuses that the false prophets made for their false prophecies. So we've addressed, if you miss a prophecy, it doesn't make you a false prophet. We've addressed the misuse of 1 Corinthians 14. This one comes to us from Bethel, Bethel Redding. And this was in... Oh, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. I've written about that. that there's a... Was that Bill, Bill Johnson out there? Yeah. He so, and false, he's got he has a whole bunch of false prophets from his. Yeah, but he also has a false doctrine of Christ, and I addressed that in an article. Which also makes him a false prophet. We talked right. about that in a previous. Jesus lost his deity when he died on the cross, and that's a claim that Jesus doesn't have deity, because deity is not contingent; it's eternal. Yep. Bill okay, Johnson so he's a false prophet because he has. Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> we just oh, have yeah. so much to say. <laughs> so this comes out of Bethel Church, um, having to do with the false prophecy about Trump. This was from Chris Vallotton, senior associate leader of Bethel Church. Here's the quote. Getting a word wrong does not make you a false prophet. A false prophet is not someone who gives a bad prophetic word, but instead is someone who has an evil heart. End quote. Wow, that's interesting. Now, see, what, uh, frankly, that's wicked. Yes. Because only God knows the heart. Right. Okay? We judge by fruit. We don't know the heart. Yeah. Okay, and that's a very solid claim. That's in Jeremiah 17. Okay. The, the heart is deceitful, desperately wicked. Who could know it? I, the, the Lord, know the heart. I, yeah. And then in Acts, God is literally called the heart knower. Yeah. Okay. Peter uh, concluded that Simon the Sorcerer had an evil heart based on his actions of trying to buy the Holy Spirit. Right. Okay. And he said, the, he concluded he wasn't right with God. Okay. So... <laughs> That's interesting, Jessica. I, I didn't know that one. So they're putting it over into something you can't know. Yeah. So how now you, we have uh, no way of judging their prophecy because we'd have to know their heart. Yeah. I'll tell you, a lot of the false prophets I've met are really kind people. And when I was younger, we used to say, beware kindly older gentlemen, because that's <laughs> who the false prophets were. Yeah. Not, not universally because they were also my teachers who taught the truth. Yeah. So somebody being nice and friendly and somebody that looks harmless doesn't tell us anything but what they have to say. A lot right. of really wicked politicians are nice. People tend to vote <laughs> people for people because they're nice, even though they fail at everything they ever do. But that's another topic. Yeah. Okay, so Jessica, thanks for sharing that. We don't know the heart, so then you can't judge at all. Yeah. And so if they're wrong, then we know they're worthless for predicting the future. Because, right. There's um, another verse about that uh, in First Corinthians 14, verses 7 and 8. Yet even a lifeless things, either flute or harp, in producing a sound, if they do not produce a distinction in the tones, how will it be known what is played on the flute or the harp? 
verse 8, for if the bugle produces an indistinct sound, who will prepare himself for battle? Now, that was why you couldn't speak chaotically or an unknown language in the church, because it doesn't tell you anything. Yeah. But that would apply to these people who say they gave false prophecy, but they have a good heart. For number one, you can't know the heart. Number two, the false prophecy of the past creates whatever they say in the future to be an in, in, makes it an indistinct sound because we don't know what to prepare for. Right. Uh, how do I prepare for battle when somebody tells me something that might be true, might be false? Yeah. It has to be true. And that goes for this other kind of prophecy. If we're going to preach from the, whether it's in a pulpit or around the kitchen table at a Bible study, from the Bible, we need to get the implications and applications right because the liberals and the socialists and the emergent, they're all using scripture. Right. And every saint has to be equipped to judge that. We do. Is that what Luke was saying? Is that what Matthew meant? Is that what Paul meant? We need to know that. Yep. All right. Do you want to give us a quick wrap up before we run out of time? Sure. Real quick. Don't listen to false prophets. <laughs> that was a quick and concise one. All right. Good. All right. We are out of time for this edition of Critical Issues Commentary Radio. We want to remind you that you can access this episode and many others, as well as years worth of articles at the website cicministry.org. And we want to remind you too, as it says in Philippians 1.27, stand firm in one spirit with one mind and strive together for the faith of the gospel. For Critical Issues Commentary, this is Jessica Kramus. And Bob Duane. And we'll see you next week.